the last time you put your cell phone down and did something relaxing or to recharge your energy? When's the last time you felt relaxed and refreshed? Can you imagine feeling refreshed and relaxed, clear-minded and rested on a regular basis, tanked up, ready to charge? Hey folks, this is John Lawrence with Anesthesia Guidebook, and this is number 58, How to Recharge and Create Rhythm in Your Life. Finding rhythm and downtime to recharge seems wildly counterproductive at first and like a luxury serious people can't afford or successful people or people who are on the path to become successful. It seems frivolous, but that's what this podcast is about. This is about how to recharge yourself and be well. You can find space for this even during anesthesia training. It's actually crucial that you do so. It will help you perform at your top level in crush school and clinical. You can find space for this even if you lead a busy life with kids and jobs and a never-done-to-do list. It's actually crucial that you do so. Brene Brown talks about in her research on vulnerability and shame how she, quote, discovered that people who rated their lives high on markers of life satisfaction and well-being all consistently engaged in unstructured time designed to rejuvenate themselves. It turns out she wasn't the first person to realize this. Other researchers and sociologists have studied this and call it play. That's right, like playtime. Time set aside to do things for fun. Things that fill your cup, restore your energy, and help you weather the demands of the rest of your life. And that's what this podcast is about. I originally put out what you're about to hear in February of 2019 on the podcast From the Head of the Bed. In this show, I mentioned taking van trips, and that references the Sprinter van that my wife and I built out a few years ago as a camper van. You can hear more about that and how one SRNA converted an old ambulance into his home on wheels for grad school in episode six of Anesthesia Guidebook, titled Van Life in Anesthesia School with Marcus House. All right, with that, let's get to the show. All right, today... I want to talk to you about this idea of recharging, about deliberately setting aside time for yourself on a weekly basis to relax, regroup, and just chill out. So hang with me for still listening. I know that this is not a clinical topic, and many of you are just looking to get your learn on, but really this this thing is about uh, finding time to recharge, and, and I think that it's got a lot of potential to reorient some other stuff in your life. Um it's pretty amazing. So, so hang in there. Um, so here's a little primer where we're going to go. We're going to talk about recharging. We're going to hit on developing rhythm in your life. Then this idea of seed time and harvest. And then we're going to touch on, uh, the national Institute of wellness's six dimensions of wellness. And, uh, so that's where we're headed. So recharging, what, what is this about? What is, what is it about? And why does it matter? Recharging is about carving out time for yourself. It's about finding time to unplug, step back, rest, relax, refocus, and just chill out. It's practically about building in some protected time to just relax and recoup in your weekly routine. Now I get it. You might not have time to do this right off the bat, and that's okay. Uh, It's a shift for a lot of people to actually begin to take care of themselves in this way, uh, to notice just how crazy our lives can be, and to push back against that a little bit. 
you may start with just taking an afternoon off or maybe a morning and then work up to the point where you can block out an entire day to relax and do something that actually feels restorative and rejuvenating, whatever that might be. Now, you might be saying, there's no way that I can do this. Uh, you have no idea how busy my life is with kids and school and work and you know whatever else. And you're right, I don't. I don't know exactly what you need or how this will play out in your life. But I do know that if you can just take even an hour or two and put your worries down and not check your phone or respond to email uh, or think about the next thing on your to-do list and just relax, just breathe, that will begin to shift things for you. Just block out you know, a couple of hours one night to put things aside and just focus on chilling out, focus on relaxing. It begins to shift things and all you need to do is to begin to shift things. Because once that shift takes place, then you start to move in a new direction. And little by little, uh, you'll eventually end up where you want to go. So what does this mean if you're in school, if you're an SRNA or a resident out there? If you're in school, you need a down day. You need a day or maybe just a morning or an afternoon when you stop studying. You close the books, you turn your computer off, and you put the flashcards down. Step away from the flashcards. Uh, if you're wondering how this will improve your chances of making it through anesthesia school, stick with me. Uh, I'm going to point out some stuff that author Adam Grant has to say about that here in a little bit. So we'll get back to it. If you're a CRNA or an anesthesiologist out there, you also need to find time to recharge. You need to find time for yourself. Now, you may be the last person that you think uh, that you need to find time for. There's your kids and your spouse, maybe your dogs or that friend that you've been meeting to connect with or, you know, stuff at work or whatever. But all of those people need you and they want you at your best. And in order to bring your best self to them, you need to regroup and you need to recharge periodically. So what does this mean practically? Uh, it means that you plan for a day where you don't work on work, where you don't respond to email. You don't even check your email. Maybe you shut your phone off. Uh, you pull back, you unplug, you relax. Think about something that you could do for yourself that would be restorative and rejuvenating, that would be fun, and go do it. Treat yourself. Maybe it's, maybe it's simply to take a nap. Uh, maybe you need to catch up on some sleep. Maybe you go to a coffee shop, get a cup of coffee, and just sit there. Just relax. You know, do whatever. Read a magazine, read a book. Uh, maybe it's going on a hike, doing something active, taking a drive. Maybe it's taking a long drive, going to a movie, uh, taking a walk, or getting outside for a run. It, do it doesn't really matter what it is. Um, it, this also doesn't have to be some sort of like prolonged meditation session where you're doing nothing. Um, it, it can definitely be about doing something, anything that helps restore your soul in your body, in your mind, your connection with others uh, in a way that rejuvenates you. It, it's likely going to have like a little different flavor to it depending on the week or the month or you know the season or whatever. It really doesn't matter. The point is that 
uh, you need to give yourself permission to stop charging and working and studying and producing and getting things done on your to-do list. You, you probably need this time more than you might first realize. We need to find this time to shift gears and stop the incessant grind of work or school. Uh, maybe you're doing both, you know, of chores, errands, bills, and all the other stuff that we just get in the habit of being busy doing. We need to step back. We need to recharge. We need to relax. We need to do something that rejuvenates our souls because uh, that's how it works. And there's this rhythm in life. So let's talk about that for a minute. You know, there's a time to work and there's a time to rest. There's kind of like this yin and yang to it. There's a balance to it. Uh, it's like an ebb and a flow. Now I live next to an ocean here in Portland, Maine, and the tides are this silent reminder that life has this rhythm to it. It's got an ebb, the tide goes out, and it's got a flow, the tide comes in. You know, there's, a, there's other reminders of that in our lives. There's nighttime and daytime. There's a time you sleep and there's a time you wake. There's seasons, winter and summer, birth and death. These dualities, these rhythms and cycles, they're part of our world and our lives. And somewhere along the way, we tend to lose touch with that, these natural cycles and rhythms in our lives. We forget that there's supposed to be a rhythm to things. It can't just be all work, all productivity. Uh, one of my friends puts it in terms of currencies, that there's other currencies in life, not just the financial currency. There's a social currency in an emotional currency, a recreational and a spiritual. And you have the chance to invest in all of them. And when you invest in all of them, you get dividends out of all of them. Sometimes uh, we forget those rhythms in life. You know, we live in a world now where it's very easy to have the lights on all the time. Um, you know, speaking of these van trips, it's really interesting. When we road trip, when we go camp, uh, we get up when the sun comes up and we go to sleep oftentimes when it gets dark outside. Imagine that, right? It's very easy in our normal lives at home with the lights are always on and there's stuff to do. You can go out and, you know, to a restaurant or whatever, stay up late, watch TV to forget that rhythm. And, uh, you know, there's other things that kind of invade those spaces and that we allow to invade those spaces. Think about your phone, Think about the fact that your email inbox is constantly refreshing. There's always something else that you could do for work or chore or respond to some email or whatever. Uh, by the way, a little bit more on smartphones, uh, try to put it down. How crazy is that? Try to leave it in the car the next time that you go to a restaurant. Like seriously, just be present with whoever you're going to go eat with or get coffee or beer with or whatever. Just hang out. Leave your phone behind. And it's amazing what you'll notice when you look around. Just about everybody else is on their phone. Anytime there's an uncomfortable moment, phones come out. It's wild how we have come to rely on them to fill all those little spaces in our days where we otherwise might have, you know, made eye contact and smiled at somebody uh, or, or interacted, said hello 
or, or just taking a moment to, you know, think about our day, think about our lives. Oh, and there's one other thing I want to say about smartphones. You, you do know uh, about the do not disturb function on your phone. This is an amazing thing. You should totally use it if you're not. So do not disturb is a little thing on your phone that you can set times where your phone will not give you pop-ups. It's not going to give you an the chirp or chime for your, uh, you know, new mail. Um, it blocks text messages, that kind of stuff. Now you can set it so that like emergency phone calls from your primary contacts or whatever will still come through in case someone really needs to get in touch with you. But you basically filter everything else out. Uh, so your phone can still be on. It can still be, you know, your, your alarm clock or whatever you need it to be, but it chills out. It kind of takes a break if you know what I'm saying. So it gives you this function gives you control over your phone so that you can disconnect from it and reconnect to what's really important like sleep or maybe the person or who is really important like your boo you know you know what i'm talking about i think uh there's a song out there lost kings i think lost kings wrote a song about it it's called put that phone down i don't know you can check it out you can google that so Anyway, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. So this guy, Louis Giglio, put all of this in terms of the agricultural cycle. So this brings us to the idea of seed, time, and harvest. And again, touching on the rhythms of life. So here's how it works. It's pretty simple. Seed, you put the seed in the ground. Hopefully you're working with good soil and you've you know, laid the groundwork for the seeds to take and all that kind of stuff. And then there's this element of time. You maybe, maybe you have to tend those seeds. You got to water them or protect them, uh, you know, promote uh, whatever you're planting uh, to grow. And then the harvest comes. So, uh, yeah, we lose cycle. We lose touch with that cycle of the agricultural cycle. We lose touch with the fact that there are seasons to things. You know, I mean, think about it. You can go to the grocery store 365 days out of the year most grocery stores 24 hours a day and get a red juicy tomato or like a half dozen varieties of apples every day of the year. It's easy to lose sync and to lose touch with the fact that there's those rhythms in your life. Some things in your life you're going to have to invest in and then wait, allow, you're going to have to plant the seed and then give it time for you to achieve the result that you're looking for. Uh, you know, Amazon.com, it's another example of how we lose touch with that. This isn't like your Amazon Prime membership with two-day free shipping, and you can get things instantly whenever you want it, just to click away. There are some things that you've got to put in the ground, and you got to tend to, and then you see the result down the road. Yeah, so think about those things that maybe you're frustrated about because they haven't fully arrived yet or you're not quite there yet. The place that you want to be someday, uh, the thing that you've been working towards. And remember, you may need to just keep tending to those seeds. Maybe you've had an idea for a long time, but you've never put those seeds in the ground. And you wonder why you're discontent or why nothing's happening. You may need to actually plant the seeds and work on growing something new, work on moving in a new direction. This might be uh, applying to grad school. It may be time for you to do that. It may be time for your significant other to do that. You may need to start the business. 
you know, create the website, get it going, open up a new Word document and start writing the book that you've been thinking about. Maybe it's uh, about starting a family, having kids, getting pregnant. Isn't that a little bit more specific? Like you, you shift from, yeah, I don't know, we might have kids someday to, babe, it's time to get pregnant. I don't know. Could be anything, but at some point you need to plant the seeds. Then remember, you got to wait. You got to tend to those seeds. Then the harvest comes. Um, so yeah, so rhythms in life and, and the need to recharge, the time to take a break, to step back, to regroup, refocus, you know, doing that, taking that, taking that weekly time to kind of think about um, relaxing, it, it helps you refocus and rejuvenate yourself. I don't know, maybe you'll think about some of these other things, uh, just generally the trajectory of, of where you're headed along the way. It's, it's amazing when you begin to resync with the rhythm that's inherent in life, it's amazing what that rhythm will resync in your life. So yeah, when you begin to resync with the rhythm of life, it's amazing what the rhythm will resync in your life. It's not just about taking a day off because you should, or it's something else that you need to get around to doing, but it's about what taking a day off does for your life. It's what that rhythm creates in your life over time. So uh, I had this professor in college. His name was Ed Leone. And he taught this class called Lifestyle Enhancement, in which he had us work through a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about today. He's actually in the process right now of writing a book on essentially his life's work about teaching uh, lifestyle enhancement classes and you know going to workshops and conferences and presenting on wellness and all that kind of stuff. So he talks about this idea that there's the life you're living and then there's your best life the life you could be living. And you have the potential to live that life. It's almost like a parallel life. It's like this person walking along beside you, right next to you, and you're in your lane, but the best life, the life you could be living, it's just a few steps away. So uh, you know what I'm talking about. It's interesting that the best life sometimes is the person, it's the version of you that would make decisions without fear. You know, she's the you who would stop making excuses and do that thing that you've always wanted to do. Maybe it's taking a trip to Costa Rica for surf camp. Maybe it's deciding to go back to grad school. Maybe it's the you who would be a writer if you weren't so concerned with what everyone else would think. Maybe he's the guy who would lose those 20 pounds, sell his TV, and learn Spanish, maybe take cooking classes, and then meet that girl that went to Costa Rica on the surf camp. No, I'm just teasing. But um, uh, maybe, maybe it's about making those decisions that you've always wanted to do, but you haven't done because of your concern for what others would think or your lack of belief in yourself that you don't have the time or the ability or the intelligence or whatever. But when you make those decisions, things shift and you're able to take steps towards living your best life. So again, taking these days off and stepping back helps you to refresh and rethink about where you're headed and then to make those simple decisions and those simple choices 
about where you want to go. You know, and I bring a lot of this up because I'm a I'm a very goal oriented person, uh, and so I'm kind of blending these ideas of you know taking time to regroup and recharge, which is important for me because uh, I tend to fill my time with work projects and interesting things, and you know the podcast and clinical practice and teaching and that kind of stuff. So uh, maybe this podcast doesn't mean anything to you because you already have this thing dialed in. Um, you you routinely take downtime and uh, and whatever. That's awesome if that's you. But for folks like myself, it's important to to think about and be intentional about stepping back and taking that downtime. And then it's, it's just amazing what that does uh, for helping you sift through what's really important in your life. So it's pretty powerful. Okay, so check this out. One of the talks I'm going to give with Cornerstone this year is on provider wellness. So in building that talk, I did a little digging around on the internet webs and I came across some studies and I figured out I might share some highlights with you because it kind of touches on and relates to what we're talking about today. So check this out. Did you know that 47% of SRNAs were surveyed as depressed and 21% of those SRNAs had considered suicide. In another study, 41% of residents were burnt out and 22% screened positive for depression. There's the fact that burnt out residents commit more medical errors while providing anesthesia. And that fact links wellness to your actual clinical performance. So how well you are influences how you do in the OR. Uh, Another study showed that women and minorities experience on average more stress than their counterparts in anesthesia school. Uh, So female SRNAs or minority SRNAs on average report higher levels of stress than their counterparts. Uh, SRNAs report, this this is very fascinating, SRNAs report significantly higher stress levels than combat-deployed CRNAs. That blew my mind. Um, There's the Anesthesia Patient Safety Foundation's newsletter back in October. They had an article titled, Anesthesia Professional Burnout, A Clear and Present Danger. In that article, they cited that over 50% of anesthesiologists are burnt out and that this rate appears to be increasing and is already over twice the level of the general population. So I want to share these two stories with you. Uh, Last year, our group here in Portland had an anesthesiologist who killed himself. And while I was in school, out of the 16 classmates that were admitted into my class, one of them took her life during the program. Both of these were tragedies beyond words. And I'm not going to get into their specific stories here, but what I want to say is that we have an amazing profession. You know, last week was CRNA week in the United States. This week was Physician Anesthesiologist Week. And it's fun to take a moment and think about the teams that we work with and the impact that we as anesthesia providers make on the perioperative environment. We have super important roles, and we have this amazing opportunity to uh, shepherd our patients through the perioperative environment 
well and, and with a degree of safety and dignity and excellent care. It's an amazing profession. We also have a very stressful profession and we're in a profession with easy access to controlled substances. So rates of depression and suicide and drug diversion are alarmingly high in the anesthesia profession. And this is across providers. Um, it, you know, it's not just CRNAs or anesthesiologists or SRNAs or residents. Uh, knowing this adds some gravity to the idea that we need to take care of ourselves, that we need to find ways to take care of each other. You know, it's, it's, it's knowing that people struggle in our profession uh, that adds weight and a bit of gravity to all of those talks out there on wellness. You know, many of them just sound so cliche and they're so, um, you know, they, they regurgitate the same things, the, the coping mechanisms and stressors and blah, blah, blah. But when you gain the traction of seeing your colleagues struggle and even commit suicide, you uh, take a step back and you think about what are we really doing and how are we going about it? How can we actually structure our groups, structure our time management, uh, our workloads in a way that promote wellness? Because uh, wellness isn't just something that we're supposed to focus on because it's one of the quadruple aims of healthcare. Wellness is how we live our lives which is what this podcast is about, right? It's about finding time to create that balance and that rhythm in your life. Um, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're suffering, if you feel like you're in an all-out battle with depression or suicidal ideation, I want you to know that you're not alone. Help is available at any time. You can text this telephone number, 741-741. That is the National Crisis Text Line. It's a confidential, nationwide, free service that's available 24-7. The number is 741-741. You can text anything to that telephone number and someone will respond and help you or maybe someone that you're with or someone you know that's in a crisis work through and find help in the actual moment so people are available to you. Remember, you're not alone. Hey folks, I wanna jump in here with an update and say that the AANA has created a wealth of resources around wellness since the onset of the pandemic. They also provide a free helpline where you can talk to someone if you need help. It's 1-800-654-5167, one 800 654-5167. I'll list that in the show notes and on the podcast, Instagram, and Facebook pages. Even if you're not sure if you should reach out to someone for help, the AANA has created a website designed to help you determine if you do. It's aana.com forward slash ask for help. And another one to check out is aana.com forward slash student wellness. Links are in the show notes to both of those resources. Don't suffer alone. Reach out and connect with other people. 
Did you know that researchers have found that the opposite of addiction is not sobriety, it's connection? I'm not saying that you need help with addiction, but I am saying connection is of profound importance. And if you don't have the kind of connections and relationships you need in your life right now, the AANA and other organizations have trained volunteers and professionals available to give you the support you need to get where you want to go. All right, back to the show. So I want to take a moment and talk briefly about grades, about GPA, and the highly competitive nature of anesthesia school. This is very fascinating. So one thing I want the SRNAs or the residents to know out there is that if you have made it into an anesthesia program, the competition is over. You have made it. You're in the program. It is time to shift gears and collaborate with your classmates. It's time to support one another. I hear this over and over from SRNAs and residents, and you can just, you can feel it and see it in people's uh, lives and, and how they tell stories about their programs, that it's super competitive. It's ultra competitive. And yes, it's competitive get, to get in, but they're talking about a competitiveness that progresses throughout their program where people are trying to outdo one another or display their knowledge, or perhaps they're fearful over not getting a job or beating their classmates out for a fellowship position or whatever. But I want to encourage you that once you are in the program, it is way better if you drop the competitive spirit, you know, challenge yourself to become excellent, but collaborate with your cohort. Find ways to build bridges, find ways to make connections, find ways to help each other. We, you are going to join a profession of anesthesia providers who should not be competitive with one another. Uh, you're joining a profession where the real competition is against pathophysiology. It's against the perioperative pressure, uh, the production pressure inherent in perioperative care. Uh, the competition is against crashing vital signs, crashing pathophysiology that your patient's exhibiting. And do you know what to do? Do you know how to respond in those moments? So your competition is not with your cohort. It's not with your classmates. It's against the challenges that you will face as an anesthesia provider. And the best way for you to face those challenges moving forward is to find ways to collaborate and learn and support one another as professionals. So I hope that uh, you and your classmates can find ways to do that. So on grades specifically, author and psychologist Adam Grant recently published this op-ed in the New York Times. So this was uh, in early December of 2018, and it's titled, What Straight A Students Get Wrong? And I'll put a link to his article in the show notes. In the article, he unpacks this idea that getting a 4.0 doesn't necessarily create the future career success that 4.0 kids might think. That GPA is not correlated to career success or satisfaction. He talks about how succeeding in school usually means that you figured out how to comply and jump through hoops, uh, but that you may not have developed the skills that help you challenge the system or think creatively, think out of the box, and chart your own path forward. For SRNAs out there, uh, you need to know that your progress through graduate school 
is bypassing exams. If you don't pass exams, you do not get to progress. It's like how you unlock the next level. Like I grew up playing Mario Brothers on the original NES, Nintendo uh, Entertainment System. And at the end of each level, you had to defeat the big ugly monster or gremlin or whatever in order to pass that level and progress on to the next level. And in anesthesia school, passing exams is how you do that. It's like the big ugly monster at the end of the level. You got to get through the exam. But remember, it's a game to some degree. You should do your best. You should learn well and work hard to become an expert anesthesia provider. But grades are not everything. If you don't make it through with a 4.0, who cares? You don't have to have a 4.0 to be good. You don't have to have a 4.0 to be excellent or to achieve expertise. No one cares what your GPA is when you are a CRNA. And the same is true for medical doctors or DOs. No, really, no one cares what school you went to. They care if you're good at your job. They care if you're safe. They care if you're kind. They care if you know what to do in an emergency or with a complicated patient going for a complicated surgery. It's interesting because, you know, the public or others, like, they'll tell you that they care about grades, especially in healthcare. I mean, you know, people will say things like, wouldn't you want your cardiac surgeon to have made straight A's? And the funny thing is, uh, anecdotally about that, is that one of our top cardiac surgeons locally barely made it out of high school because he was in trouble so much. The valedictorian of either his high school class or his undergraduate class, I can't remember which one, uh, actually told him that he would never amount to anything because uh, he was so awful. Now he's an expert cardiothoracic surgeon and he's got military surgical experience in combat zones and you know, he's generally a badass, so he knows how to perform under, under extreme duress, how to improvise, and how to manage people in these incredibly challenging situations. Um, but, it, you know, it wasn't always that way for him, and the feedback he got at times uh, wouldn't necessarily, one would think, put him in a place where he ended up where he ended up. So, uh, so what does all this have to do with recharging? It means you can relax. Not slack off, but relax. Not all the time, you know, but for a day, for an afternoon. I tell the SRNAs that I work with, in order to perform your best in school, you need to shift gears and find a rhythm in your life that allows you to do extraordinary things. The demands on you during an anesthesia program are immense. The bar that you need to rise to and above is very high. You need to work harder than you ever have. You need to study more than you thought was possible. And to do that, you need to optimize your whole approach to what you're doing. I tell folks that it's like training for a major sporting event. You know, it's like becoming an Olympic athlete. You need to find balance in sleep, nutrition, exercise, and effective study strategies all while you're in grad school. And you can do this. It is possible. And it does actually help you perform better psychologically and mentally as an anesthesia student. So speaking of finding balance, I want to talk for a minute about what that actually means. Because that, to me, for a long time was like this elusive idea 
that you would hear, you know, wellness people talk about, oh, just find balance in your life. So, but I want to put some teeth to it. I want to give you something concrete that you can stand on. So the National Wellness Institute talks about the six dimensions of wellness in life, and they are physical, social, occupational, intellectual, spiritual, and emotional. And so finding balance involves making sure that you're paying attention to each of these six dimensions. It can't all just be about your career or uh, you know making money or whatever. It can't all be just intellectual. It can't all be, I mean, if you literally, if you try to study every moment of the day, it's not going to work. Like you need to take a break. You need to get up and go do something else. You actually learn better when you have balance. So you need to bring along your physical, your social, your spiritual, and the emotional elements of your life. It, it really doing so enhances your ability to perform intellectually and occupationally. It will help you be better in those areas. So let's talk a little bit about each one of these uh, in closing. So physical is about eating well, sleeping, and exercising. Doing those things will literally re-energize you, creating a level of health and physical resilience to help you get through challenges. You don't have to turn your whole life around all at once in the physical domain. So going all out all at once will likely just set you up for failure. Choose where you want to go. Think about where you'd like to end up someday and begin to set a new trajectory in the little decisions in your life. You start making these little choices. You start incorporating, you know, one workout or maybe a couple workouts a week. Maybe you, maybe you just work out for 10 or 15 minutes in the morning each day and those little changes begin to shift the trajectory. You need to bring nutrition along with this. Make little choices in what you eat, the fuel you put in your body, and your trajectory begins to change. Okay, so the social element. This is about connecting with friends and family. Even for like five minutes, you know, FaceTime your mother or, you know, go out for a beer with your classmates after school or clinical. Shut your books and ask your wife how her day was. You know, building connections with others will help build resilience. The spiritual domain is about realizing that the way you do anything is the way you do everything. It's about developing an awareness that what you do and the way you do it matters. That there's a bigger story going on and that you know you get to be part of it. You're part of this community of, of people walking uh, down the road together. My mother has this story. Uh, she's got the saying that we're all just walking each other home. So we're in a community. We're part of a larger story. Uh, the spiritual domain is about aligning your actions with your actual values. It's setting a new trajectory in your life and moving down that path intentionally with hope and with courage. Uh, the emotional domain is about recognizing that you and others will have emotional responses to things and that that's normal. It's normal to feel stressed or frustrated or beat down at times. Emotional intelligence is about developing an optimistic outlook on life rather than a pessimistic one. 
seeing that you can choose how to respond in situations and to other people. And then there's the occupational domain. That, of course, is about your career, your, your work. It's about your goals and your financial well-being. Most of us have spent a lot of time becoming CRNAs. If you're an SRNA, this, this occupational domain, is probably where you're going to spend the majority of your time. If you're a CRNA, uh, this domain is where you make choices about, you know, do you want to keep learning? Do you want to keep growing? You know, passing boards is not the end of your career path. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of your profession. You're just getting started. And then there's the intellectual domain. And that is about stretching your mind, learning new things, developing a growth mindset that says that you can learn anything you want. You can go in any direction that you want. Uh, Carol Dweck in her book, Mindset, describes how intelligence, unlike most of society thinks, is not actually a fixed trait. So she's a clinical psychologist who did a lot of work with children and different exams and, and looking at how do you coach people to learn new things and respond to challenges. And she found that people either have a, uh, generally speaking, a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. They see intelligence as something that's static, that you're born with, that doesn't change over time. And so your aptitude is on a particular uh, path or level and uh, that's it. Or there's a growth mindset that says you can actually learn how to do new things. You can get better at doing something if you put the right amount of time into it. This is backed up with lots of research uh, from Anders Ericsson and others that talk about deliberate practice being a path forward to developing expertise in any domain. You know, Malcolm Gladwell popularized Anders Ericsson's, you know, this concept of putting 10,000 hours into a particular craft develops expertise. And Erickson expounds on that a little bit more in detail and, you know, splicing down the kind of practice and the amount of time, that kind of stuff. But the point is, is that your intelligence is not fixed or static. Your aptitude isn't fixed or static. You can actually develop expertise in new things. And it doesn't just have to be anesthesia. Maybe it's pottery or maybe it's starting a business or whatever. Uh, but the intellectual domain in your life is where you can explore some of those things. So finding balance is about giving attention to each of those domains. It can be really hard while you're in school. You may uh, be necessarily imbalanced, but recognize that that's just for a season. You're investing heavily in a couple of domains, occupational and intellectual, now so that someday you'll be able to come around to a point where you can redevelop balance in the other domains of your life. And really, if you can pull those other domains along while you're in school, you're going to be better off. You'll do better with studying and in clinical and on boards and uh, your family will get attention. And, you know, so so don't neglect yourself or those you're closest to during school, but train like you mean it. You know, eat nutritious food, get exercise, sleep well, and uh, begin incorporating this idea of taking downtime to recharge, to kind of refocus, regroup, and rest, relax, build that into your weekly habit, and it will begin to do amazing things in your world.
So there you go. That's the gist. You know, I could keep talking about some of those things, but I've probably said enough. And uh, yeah, so find a day to unplug and relax. If you can spare a day, or sorry, if you can't spare an entire day, just think about a couple of hours or a morning where you do something for yourself. Do something rejuvenating, do something restorative, and build that into becoming a habit in your life. Hey, y'all, John here. If you're digging the show, will you take a couple of minutes and drop a review of Anesthesia Guidebook on Apple Podcast? Your comments and ratings help other people trust the show. Also, send a link to the podcast to your classmates and colleagues. Word of mouth is the best way for Guidebook to grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time.